Welcome back, everybody, to the Over Six Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Vandenberg, and with me, as always, is the Turf King, Cameron Charlton. Cam, it's been a couple of weeks since we've been back. How are you, buddy? Not bad, yeah. It's been busy. COVID, all these restrictions off and on, it's really uh, made us busy and everything got crammed in. But we're back. We should be back for good now. It is gorgeous outside today. We're looking at like 16 to 18 degrees. The snow is melting. The sun is out. The doors are open. I drove home from work yesterday with the sunroof open. It's just awesome. I'm getting excited for golf season. We have all these sports going on. March Madness starts today. It is a good time right now, Burke. It is. It really is. And um, and part of the reason that we, um, you know, two weeks ago, we were just scheduling conflicts, as Cam said. We have everything kind of, you know, jammed into um, jammed into one week. It just didn't work. And then last week, I got hit um, with a, a non-COVID-related illness, as you can probably... <coughs> probably hear it by my voice i'm still not 100 percent uh back up to snuff i feel fine i just you know the voice is definitely taking a hit uh two days in niagara one day in niagara for you this past weekend I, i'm sure it was not helpful for that uh but uh but we, we we strive on we we definitely had to to get on this week um couldn't go three weeks without saying anything and and boy oh boy uh, man there's a lot happened in the last uh last couple of weeks so um, before we, we have a lot to cover um, one thing I did just want to talk about really quickly before um, kind of anything else is uh, obviously we're big fans of curling on this podcast and the Briar uh, just wrapped up this um, this past weekend uh, with Team Gushu three-man Team Gushu might I add um, you know took home the Briar championship and, and will represent Team Canada at the World Championships, and I, I got to be honest, I didn't catch as much of the tournament as I wanted to. Um, I mean, you know, my own personal curling, I watched a couple games, and I was like, you know, the next time I curled, I'm like, oh, I can hit that double. Come on, it's easy. It's no problem at all. If these guys can hit triples, I can hit a double. Um, but, man, like, you look at the stat that, you know, the last six or seven Briars, there's only been three teams in the final, and it's, you know, Brendan Botcher, Brad Gushu, and Kevin Cooey. And, you know, it, it just just amazing and an amazing accomplishment for the Gushu team. Yeah, this has to be up there with one of the most amazing accomplishments for a curling team at the Briar. Doing it three-man is huge. Especially, like, watching a ton of mix this year and watching the difference and how much a sweepers make difference. And them only having won the entire time there. I mean, they jumped in and out helping. But still, like, it's super impressive that they did that with a three-man team. You just learn watching more mixed curling during the olympics how important the sweepers are how big they are on the shots and that just shows how good this team was when it mattered they were just curling unbelievable and to come back do what they did i mean we've seen it from gushu for what 16 17 years uh, now and he just gets it done again well and and you know uh mark nichols got got covid so Cook wasn't allowed to play the last couple games um so they went with a three-man team you know what i find interesting was you know coming off a bronze medal at the olympics you know, Gushu basically was asked, you know, hey, what's your expectations for, you know, what's your expectations for the upcoming Briar? And he's like, you know what? He's like, with with all that travel and all the quarantine and stuff, you know, we don't really have any expectations. Um, you know, we're just going to go out, we're going to have fun and just do what we can. Um, I, I'm not sure what, like, I, I, you know, I think having fun and just being light definitely is helpful for sure. But I almost, one of the things that I almost wonder is, is, 
you know, Gushu played so well, and not that he played that poorly in uh, in Beijing either. I didn't think that they played overly terrible, um, but I think it just looks and says, man, these these top teams that are in Canada, the, the rest. We talked about the world catching up, man. Like look look at, look at some of these teams that like, there's only two or three that really dominated this tournament, and you think to yourself, holy smokes, man, if Gushu's getting the bronze medal, comes back and crushes the Briar and does as well as he did. Um, we got a lot of work to do to kind of to bridge that gap with the rest of the world right now. So it seems. Yeah, like the gap doesn't seem to be that big when it comes to the Grand Slams and some of the other events where the world is competing. It's there, but again, Gushu's team still competes there. So does Kui's and Botchers. It's pretty close. It's just any given week, any of these teams can win, and I think that's the biggest difference. Kind of wrapping up this, though, I just love the moment uh, Mark Nichols in the hotel room, them dropping a couple beers off, dropping off the trophy to him. It was just such a cool moment and to see that. And I mean, I think that's got to be part of it. I know you'll never say, oh, how can a guy curl better because they're curling for someone else or how can they play a sport better for someone else? But I think when Nichols got COVID, it just kind of added to that fire for Gushu's team. Like, man, we really got to do this. I know we're one short and it's going to be way tougher, but we really got to do this for Mark. So. Well, uh it was, it was a cool moment to see in the hotel. Well, and not only that, too, but, I mean, their team, right? You know, there's speculation that after this season, their team's going to part ways. Um, and, and obviously, that wouldn't be shocking. I mean, uh, Brett Gallant was, you know, he was getting interviewed and was like, you know what, like, we really just didn't want it to end like this. Uh, we, we didn't want it to end with, you know, one of our four guys who've been with us for eight years um, on the sidelines. So we wanted to have kind of one last crack at it as a team at the Worlds. Um, and, and kind of moving off the briar, but again, curling related is, um, all of these legend, like legendary teams, Jennifer Jones, uh, Kevin Cooey, like a lot of these teams are parting ways. And, and I can't say that I've necessarily watched curling my whole life. Cause I haven't, you know, when I met my wife in 2014, that's when I really started to kind of get into it. Cause that's her thing. And, you know, maybe we, you know, we started, I just personally started watching when these teams kind of formed, but you know, it just seems like, you know, every eight years, that's what it seems like. Everybody's just kind of like, you know, at the end of the day, we got to move on and do new teams. So it is kind of exciting where it's almost like it's it's curling free agency, right? And John, you know, Johnny Moe retired, uh, John Morris retired, um, and a couple of other guys are, are hanging it up too. So um, definitely going to be interesting to see the passing of the torch. And you almost wonder if that opens up an opportunity for a guy like, uh, Matt Dunstone out of Saskatchewan, who's curled so so well. Uh, also, the Jacobs team's another one that um, they're, they're parting ways too, and, and they were super good. You know, five six years ago, they they were almost unbeatable. So um, I don't know. I'm just excited, honestly, for next curling season, just to see what the the what the teams are going to be and, and how that's all going to shake out. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting, and it feels like there's a big changing of the guard here. But I mean, Gushu's been doing it for a while, and. Uh, who knows what's going to happen with his team, but uh, we'll see what happens with a couple of these skips and what happens overall. It's almost scary, right? Like, if you think about, you know, how good Kushu's team is, and it's like, man, if he keeps curling, like, I know some of the guys are taking a year off, and that's fine, but, like, imagine if you get Gushu on a team with, I don't, I don't even know, like, get, like some somebody who's just so good, even, even better than they've got now. I, I don't know what, like, you get, you know, Jacob's, playing with with Gushu or something ridiculous like it could just be absolutely insane so definitely looking forward to uh talking about that yeah it'll be fun all right so what do you want to do first here that's that's you know that's one of the main things I wanted to just kick off the the headline stuff but we got a ton of you know I mean not that we 
have uh, have not talked about it enough this year, but uh, NFL free agency kicked off. Oh, we forgot one thing before we talk about that. Baseball is back. Yeah, we got baseball back, and not only is baseball back, the Blue Jays made a massive, massive move. They brought in Matt Chapman, who is not just a great defender, he is all-time great. He has two platinum gloves. Not just gold gloves, two platinum gloves. This now makes you have three guys on your infield who are all massive plus defenders. One thing the Jays pitching staff, they, they're going to be really good, but one thing they did a lot was they ground get the ball to ground out to third base. And now you have one of the best third basemen defensively over the last while. Sure, he didn't hit as well as he did last year. It was coming off an injury and stuff, but he still hits a ton of home runs in Oakland. He's going to do that even more in Toronto. They didn't give up one of their top two prospects. They gave up two decent prospects, a couple other things. But to bring in a guy like that to add to this lineup. And again, he's going to this Jays lineup that's already stacked. He doesn't have to hit third or fourth. He's going to be hitting like sixth or seventh, which he's not going to be used to. But that's going to mean they're going to have to pitch to him more. Because they got Springer. They have Vlad. They have Bo. They're going to have to pitch to Matt Chapman, and he's going to take advantage of this, and it's just huge for this pitching staff, for this defense, for this offense. That's a massive hole for this year and next year, and they're really, it's starting to seem like the Jays are really pushing to go for it now this year next year. Well, and I mean, I think that's the hope, and that's something that we've talked about, right, especially, you know, when you have all these guys' contracts that are going to be coming up in a couple of years, um, you know, the chances of you being able to keep everybody's going to be slim, and that's the exact same that it is in, in, in the NHL, right? You draft well. Um, you pay for it. Unfortunately, that's just the, the reality of the cap system. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, there was talks about Freddie Freeman coming. That didn't end up panning out. Chapman comes over. I looked up his stats, and I'm like, holy man, this guy's a stud. It just kind of reminds me of um, when Josh Donaldson kind of came over um, from Oakland. Like it's a really similar kind of situation, similar age. Um, one of the things that I saw when he came over, he's, he's like, oh, a 28 year old third baseman. I'm like, oof, he's getting uh, to his prime and he's getting a little old. And I'm like. Wait a second. We turned 28 this year. That's not good. Maybe we're getting to our prime and, and we're getting old. Yeah, I, I think the last time we, the Jays got an Oakland third baseman, it worked out pretty well because he had an MVP season here. So I don't know if we have should have that expectations for Chapman. But again, it's massive. The Freeman talk was fun just because he's uh, honorary Canadian. His parent, mom was Canadian and he plays for Canada at the World Baseball stuff. And that was fun, but it didn't make sense because that means we're moving Vlad over to third. And Vlad's been a really good first baseman. When he was at third, I know he's in way better shape now. It was a struggle. So you love the bat. You love the left-handed bat. I still think that's something the Jays need to add. But it didn't make a lot of sense defensively, especially when you have pitchers that put the ball in play. Chapman just makes a ton of sense defensively. He's going to move down the lineup. You still have a little bit of issue when you're right-hand heavy. But again, these right-handers can hit both sides. They are some of the best hitters in the league. So, yeah, you want a lefty bat somewhere in that order, and they haven't quite found that yet. But if you can bring in a defensive player like Chapman, who is a four-plus win guy, it's massive. Well, no, yeah, absolutely. And, and just in general, it's just nice to have baseball back. They figured their stuff out, um, you know, which was great. And, and they're not missing any games, which is also huge. Um, the opening weekend got pushed back to the 16th, I think. Opening day was pushed back from April 6th to the 16th. Um, but... Spring games are starting today, I believe. I think you have the Red Sox are playing today in spring league. So um, we're, we're going to start seeing some stuff come out of Dunedin, uh, see how these guys are doing. Um, super exciting. I mean, as I said, I really like that. 
So I, the last thing about baseball too, I just saw the, uh, I just saw the the opening kind of lineup for the Jays. Well, I gotta find it again. It's gross. One sec, let me find it. Find it up. Who was it? Jeff Player, I think it was. Yeah, here we go. Okay, so it was. Um, oh man. Man, I don't know where it went. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. So you got Springer. So this is the lineup, batting lineup. Springer, Bichette, um, Vladdy, Teoscar, uh, Biggio, Guriel, Chapman, Grichik, and Kirk. That's not a half-bad lineup. That, that, that lineup, that batting lineup could compete with anybody, I, I feel. Um, oh, for sure. I don't know. I don't know what the Yankees are going to do. I mean, the Yankees are just going to add whoever the heck they want because the salary cap doesn't exist in the MLB, and maybe that's a good transition to the salary cap not existing in the NFL. Yeah, there's no salary cap in the NFL. I still don't understand any of these contracts, and then you're hearing different things on every one of these contracts. It's horrible. I mean, somehow Green Bay is going to make Adams and Rodgers work, and they shouldn't. It's absolutely ridiculous how they're going to make this work. Uh, way too much money, and I don't get it at all. Well, we talked like we're just beating a dead horse. Like legit, we talked about pretty sure last NFL free agency last year, probably like our fifteenth episode or something like that. We talked about the exact same thing, and I went on a tangent about how it's the dumbest thing, and it's still the dumbest thing. It makes no sense. Like you have a team like the Saints who are like minus eighty million in cap space. And all of a sudden, they are like, oh, now we have $6 million in cap space to, to spend. And I'm like, what? With all those guys trying to bring I mean, guys in, I'm like, what are we talking about here? Speaking of the Saints, they now have $29 million available somehow by moving all these contracts, doing all this to Lattimore, Jordan, everything else. They now have $29 million, which kind of makes the next thing kind of interesting. Because from all accounts, the Saints are the front runners for Deshaun Watson. Sounds like that could even happen today. Even by the time you're listening to this, you might have found out that Deshaun Watson is a New Orleans Saint. I love Deshaun Watson to the Saints. I mean, salary cap aside, because it's, it's annoying to talk about. Nobody wants to talk about it. It is what it is. Um, but to me, I, I just look at that. And, and one of the discussions we put out in the group chat was, you know, when was the last time that you saw hypothetically a top five quarterback and a top five running back play together? And you mean you could argue Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams? Like you knew, like I don't love that. I, I mean, I I don't think it's quite the same. I, I just look at no Aaron Jones isn't a top five running. Or back. sorry, Aaron Jones. Yeah, no, not Devontae Adams is wrong. Yeah, you're right, Aaron Jones. But bottom line being, I don't really remember. I mean, the last time you can you can maybe say. You know Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch. I mean, like that—that that probably is the last. That's yeah. That's the only one that jumps out to me as well is Marshawn Lynch, Russ. But but even then, right? Like that didn't get it done. And I I just think the the prospect of having like I don't really care who else you have. I mean, the Saints defense is still going to be decent. And then you have a mobile quarterback in the Sean Watson. You have a checkdown specialist in Alvin Kamara. Like when when Miami played uh, the Saints. We thought, okay, Ian Book's going to dump it down to Kamara, and it didn't happen. He did it a couple of times, and, and they started to get yardage. And I'm like, man, how defensively are you going to be able to defend 
Kamara Watson. I, I just don't like it. Could be absolutely nasty. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what comes about this trade too, because there's got to be pieces going the other way. So the Saints won't have a first round pick if they get them. That's pretty obvious that this year's first round pick will be included. Is Kamara going to be in it? Because we know Carolina was offering C-Mac. I don't think they'll give up Kamara. But the Saints don't really have a great wide receiver core. I know Watson can make guys look better than they are. But I don't really know what the Saints will be with him. I mean, he's clearly better than what they had last year. And they were a decent team a lot of the year because of that defense. That defense should still be pretty good. Not having Marcus Williams is definitely going to impact him as he's now a Raven. But... Overall, their defense should still be pretty good. Lattimore still one of the best man-to-man corners in the league. You still have the edge, Davenport, Jordan, I still think are both there. So you still got all of that up front. It'll be an interesting thing. I still don't think it was the best fit. Personally, I thought Carolina made the most sense for both teams. Carolina's really just missing a quarterback. The Saints, I don't know if they're quite there in a bunch of ways. So, I mean, we'll see. And then, you know, of course, we uh, have a friend of the show who really wanted Atlanta. That still made no sense for me. I know he's from Atlanta. And... It'll also include Fuller and Landry possibly, and that's a good thing for the Saints too, is it sounds like Will Fuller will probably go to the Saints on a really cheap deal just to go play with Watson. Well, I will say this, and and, and this is just me being a salty fan, as a Leafs fan, as a Dolphins fan, and then you know, somebody who's watched my sports teams have to grind it out. Um, like, honestly, if the Falcons would have got, if the Falcons get Deshaun Watson, I'll be pissed. Because they've dug themselves an absolute hole. They have dug themselves into into a nightmare scenario in terms of cap space, in terms of draft management, in terms of their quarterback situation. Like it's just a nightmare. And they had their opportunity and they blew it. So they should pay the price um, for for the manage the managerial mistakes um, and, and then just lack of you know lack lack of success. And you say, well, they made a Super Bowl, yeah, but they didn't win. I need I remind you of twenty eight to three. I don't think anybody needs a reminder of that. But you got to pay the price, right? Same thing. I, I think. It, I mean, the, the the Panthers are a little bit different because I feel like, you know, they they made to the Super Bowl. But that was a long time ago, and they've been garbage for a while. But they still haven't drafted that well, right? They still have like for from a quarterback situation, like their quarterback. Quarter, like I mean, obviously C Mac and, and some other guys. Um, you know, the corner that they drafted last year was good. Like, defensively, they and, and over, it's not been horrible. It's just from a quarterback situation, they've been bad for a while. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, you're right. That would be kind of the last piece for them, in a sense, to be better. Um, but I just, I'm like, yeah, I don't want anybody to get a free pass here. Like, the Saints, okay, that's fine. Because they have been successful and been a good team for a long, long time. And so, you know, Drew Beery, they didn't do anything, I would say, other than uh, giving what's-his-face a billion contracts, Taysom Hill, a billion contracts. I don't really think they've done anything that, like, you know, irks me or, or makes me not want, like, like them. It's not bias about teams either. It's just I think that if you manage your team well and you produce on the field, then, yeah, I think, you know, if, if Drew Beery retires, you want to go out and get a free agent, by all means, right, go ahead. But, you know, especially for the Falcons who've dug themselves into this hole, I do not want to see a get-out-of-jail-free card. And people will argue, by the way, well, it's not a get-out-of-jail-free card because we're giving up draft picks and this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, yeah, but, like, nobody gives a fuck. Like, in, 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 a, in, a, in a league where the salary cap doesn't exist and you can just kick money down the road forever and ever, 
like at some point you got to pay for it. That's the only thing. That's the only reason that I don't want Sean Watson going there. Yeah, so we got to talk about a couple other quarterbacks. I mean, we have Brady coming out of retirement, but he was never in retirement, according to him. He never said retirement in his six-page post. He just said he was going to spend time with family and thanking people and stuff. And, I mean, maybe he just spent two weeks with Giselle and realized, I can't do this. I need to go back. I doubt that. I highly doubt that. Just, I mean, you got to spend two weeks in the Super Bowl. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe she's a real nightmare, but it doesn't seem like the worst scenario for me. Um, it's possible that his kids are old enough they don't want to be kissed on the mouth anymore, so maybe that's part of it. Um, but, but, you know, this is like one of the worst things. It's like when you make a bet with a friend, and it's like, you know, in our group, we screenshot it, we save it, we've got a spreadsheet, but it's like, you know, you, you make this bet verbally, and it comes back later, and you're like, well, I never, I never said that I actually made the bet. I was saying if I was to make the bet. Right, and you're kind of like, oh, come on. I mean, the amount of texts that I got. And I'm not a Tom Brady hater overall. I'm just, I'm not. I just, I respect his game. But you know, friends of mine and you know, friends of ours who um, hate the guy were, you know, texting me, just freaking out uh, about him coming back. And and you know what? I just, I look at the whole situation and say, like, who cares, man? Like, yeah, he retires, and and you know, people were glorifying him for not doing the fanfare. And maybe that should have been your first indicator that he wasn't actually retiring is the fact that he didn't do this farewell tour. I mean, why wouldn't you? Right? Like, I don't know. To me, if I was, you know, the greatest quarterback of all time, I would want, you know, my Ben Roethlisberger last season tour, uh, you know, get a couple jerseys from some cool people, you know, really just be able to try your best for the fan. The only thing that bothered me, Cam, was his unfinished business thing. That was wild. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, what else do you have to do in this league? You've done it all. For me, I actually kind of find it, find it amusing. I think mainly because he's not playing in the AFC East anymore. So I don't mind all this. You have to respect what Tom Brady's done in his career, whether you dislike him or not. I mean, there's quarterbacks I dislike way more in the league, Aaron Rodgers for one. Um, but yeah, it's just Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady just going back to see you can have more drama this offseason, it seems. But I, I do find it funny. We'll see what happens with it. Uh, I mean, now you're seeing the Bucks again, trying to go for it again, picking up every receiver possible. They got Russell Gage now there too, in free agency. You add Godwin for on a nice deal now for three more years. This receiving core is going to be nasty there. I mean, I'm expecting Gronk's going to come back for another year. I know he was joking around saying you want to play with Josh Allen, but you're going back and you're playing with Tom Brady again. Let's be honest here. So it'll be interesting. Uh, again, I just respect Brady. I kind of find it funny that much everyone gets so worked up about it. I just find that more amusing. I don't really care that much. Sure, I get why people are upset, but I find it way more amusing all these people who are getting super upset about it. Man, I didn't even think about the Gronk angle, honestly. I, I did not. In, in, uh, I, I was just like, oh yeah, Tom Brady's retired. Gronk is gone, whatever. I didn't think that Gronk was going to play with Josh Allen anyway. Um Personally, like, I, you play for the Patriots that long and you're going to play for a division rival. I, I just, I mean, that, as a, that's like Marc-Andre Fleury playing for the Flyers. Like, it just doesn't, you know, it's something that doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Tom's back. I mean, I, you'd assume Gronk would be back. I mean, Gronk looked good last year. He's definitely not, you know, Gronk of old, but he's definitely better than most. He, like, I don't know. Like, he, he performed extremely well in the playoffs, so I don't know. Yeah, no, he was he was really good when they needed him too. He's still an end zone threat, red zone threat, 
all the time. He's still massive and hard to line up against. Sure, he doesn't move quite the way he used to, and you got to take him out a few more snaps than you'd like, but he was still really good last year. And now we kind of got the bigger trade. I mean, we got one of two. One's really big, one's just kind of funny. We have Russ to the Broncos, and this was massive. This was a massive deal. The Broncos paid a lot to get him, but this defense is going to be good again. It should be good. I know they're not going to have Von Miller there, but they've still got a really good defense. they got some good corners. They're going to be good. And this offense, you look at the receivers they have. I know they got rid of Noah Fant in this deal. Albert O is still a really good tight end. But you add the receivers they have here, and you're like, this could be fun. Russell Wilson in Denver is going to be fun. This team is crazy. And this just this AFC West is ridiculous now. You have Pat Mahomes, Russ Wilson, Justin Herbert, and Carr all in the same division. And Carr, I like Carr. I know you're a big Carr hater. But he's still an above average. Like, he's a decent quarterback. I know you'll sit here and uh, you hate Carr because I think he's lost you a bunch of money. And he's a bum. But <laughs> but he's still a decent quarterback in the NFL. And a lot of teams would be happy to have him. And he is by far the worst quarterback in his own division, which is kind of crazy. Like, this division's just going to run over each other. This AFC West is the opposite of the NFC least. It is... Easily the best division in football. The Chargers are going for it. KC's going to be there. Now you got the Broncos. Even the Raiders. The Raiders just signed Chandler Jones, too. That's huge. This division is just going to be brutal. And Russ is going to make a big difference. And I'm super excited for that division and watching some of these games. Well, this is why, like, you know, not, not to do too much Miami talk, but I'm like, Miami has an opportunity this year to do well. Um, because you have, like, when you have that division as stacked as it is, they're just going to kill each other. Right, and you talk about you know a couple games here, a couple games there. Like, let's just assume that you know most of the teams in that division go go three and three, right? Like, or is it yeah three and three in those games? Uh, it's probably not going to be like that. You'll probably have a team that'll go one and five, a team that'll go you know five and one, and you'll have two teams that'll go three and three, something like that. But the teams that go three and three, like there's there's three games there to be had. Right? So you can look at it and say, okay. Three and three, you're down to 14 wins max. Um, and then out of the other, you know, out of the other 11 games, even if you win half of them, you, you know, you're an eight, eight win, nine win season. So, you know, what I'm saying, Miami's chance to make the playoffs. Yeah, I, I, I believe it because you got to, you know, you beat the Jets twice, you beat the Patriots twice or once, and you beat the Bills once. You, you know, you're, if you can get four wins in your division, um, I think 10 wins is going to be a wild card spot again. Like that's kind of seems to be what it is. And for teams in the AFC West, man, like I, I just I find it hard to believe that you know people are talking about well maybe they all they're all that they can all make it. I'm like no no chance in this world is all teams in that division making it. They're just gonna kill each other over and over and over again. So um, I will say it is weird seeing Russell Wilson in orange. It's really weird. He looks like a. I saw his interview this morning from yesterday. I think it was or his press conference, and he looks like a car salesman now with his orange like his orange little tie sitting up there all tan. I'm like man like. This guy's either running for Senate or, or he's a car salesman. I'm not really sure, but it, it was weird. Like, just so weird not to see him in Seahawks colors. And, I mean, good for him, though. I mean, he needed a change of scenery. And, I mean, the deal makes a lot of sense um, for the Broncos. I, I did crack me up. You know, Jerry Judy sees that they're not getting Deshaun Watson. He's like, oh, on his tweet. And then he sees they're getting Russ Wilson. He's like, hey, that sounds good. So his range of emotions was nuts. I really like the deal for the Broncos. Um it's an end of an era in Seattle. Like you know, they're they're going into into reset stage, um, but it's about time. And I mean, I think it, it also coincides with I think Pete Carroll's probably done done there within a couple of years. 
um, whether at the end of this season or I don't really know what his contract is, but um, I would assume that they're probably just going to do that full rebuild in its time. I mean, it, it really is. I, I wouldn't be shocked if um, Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf were moved uh, prior to the season or mid-season this year. I, they wouldn't shock me in the slightest if one or both of them uh, were moved for draft picks for next year and just and just absolute fire sale. Like that's what I would be doing if I was them personally. Yeah, no, it makes a ton of sense. It's a completely reset for them. I think they got to trade off. They got a pretty good haul for Russ. I know you're losing your franchise icon. It is going to be weird seeing him in any other jersey. He's just one of those guys in the league that uh, you just you, you thought he was going to be a Seahawk forever, but we also thought Brady was going to be a Patriot forever. So guys change jerseys, and we'll see what happens with that. Last quarterback we need to touch on, I don't know how long we need to spend on this one, is uh, Carson Wentz to the Commanders. Uh, still can't get used to saying that yet, the Commanders, but uh, they were pretty disappointed to not be in on Russ when Russ wasn't going there. They were out on Watson. I don't think he wanted to go to Washington anyways. So they got Carson Wentz, which is an interesting move, but I don't know if it's really going to make a difference for them. Um, yeah. I mean, our buddy's been saying, you know, Heineken, Heineke's been good. And then they get Wentz, and I'm like, I don't even know who's better than those two. I mean, the reality is, is that, you know, Carson Wentz has the ability to be a good quarterback. It's it's pretty obvious. I mean, he, in a sense, kind of led the Eagles there before he got hurt. He didn't get, he you know, he didn't get the job done. We joke about how, you know, he, he rolls up into Washington flashing his ring. You know, so I'm a Super Bowl champ, blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, it's a good bar pickup, but any girl with a half a brain would be like, yeah, you didn't win that. Um, you might as well have been the water boy and got a ring for, for all that's for all intents and purposes. But yeah, the, the other fun stat about him is he actually has more MVP votes than Russell Wilson in their career. Ooh, well, which one are you taking? Uh, I'm still taking yeah, Russ. I'm not touching Carson Wentz in the 10 foot pole, man. Like I just look at it and say, I mean, number one, the guy's a bandaid. I mean, he's hurt all the time. Um, number two, he makes the worst mistakes of the worst time. And that's what you don't want out of a quarterback, right? Like you can play well for 90% of the game, but if you throw like one of the picks we saw him throw last year, he just basically handed the ball off to the defender. Like, man, if you're going to make those mistakes. It was like, yeah, underhand with your left hand to right to the yeah, defender's hands. Throw. You're like, what are you doing? Rugby throw off the defender for a pick six. Like, you know, if, if you could play really well 90% of the game, if you make a mistake like that, I mean, to, and, and to be honest with you, I give the same criticism to Tua um, from time to time as well, right? Where, you know, you're, you're, you've got momentum, you, you know, you're, you're doing well points-wise and you throw a bad pick and, and, and it turns the game around, right? And that's just not what you want. Now, the difference between the two currently is, is that Wentz has been in the league for much longer. And so, you know, I, I just, I look at this and I, and, I, I mean, I guess I guess you could argue that it's an upgrade on Heineke. I, I just don't, you know, I, I don't see how this changes anything for them. I don't. It doesn't push them over the edge. It doesn't make them any better. I don't think they're making the playoffs this year. Like I don't, I don't. I mean, you look and say the Eagles. I think are going to be good. The Giants are going to be better. Um, I don't know. I, I, I yeah, I, th I think this Washington D should be a lot better. And Carson Wentz does bring a ton of upside to your offense. They got a good running back. They have a couple of good receivers. They got one really good receiver in McLaurin. So the upside on their offense is huge. But Wentz does make those stupid throws at the wrong time. And again, you should have a healthy Chase Young this year, which is going to be massive for that defense. 
and that should put them right near the top. Again, Montez Sweat, Chase Young are still ridiculous out there. So they should be better than they were, but I don't know if it really upgrades them that much. It's health that's going to play a big part of it, but the upside with Wentz over Heineke is way higher. Heineke, some of the analytics and stuff and things behind him were absolutely horrible. Like Washington had a good O-line, and he still didn't throw it down the field. He didn't take chances. He didn't do any of that. You love the heart in the guy, but the guy was not going to... He's a good backup, and you're fine if he needs to play a game or two, but all the underlying stats on him just aren't good enough, and that's kind of unfortunate because he has all the heart in the world. He's willing to throw his body anywhere you need him to, but he just wasn't good enough, and he's a backup, and Carson Wentz has that starter. He has that top 10 upside, but you again, as we've mentioned, some of these interceptions, some of the stuff he does, fumbles and stuff, are just unacceptable, so those are the downsides to him, but is their upside way higher for Washington now, for sure. Could they actually compete for the division with that defense and the upside of Carson Wentz? I think so. But again, he could make stupid plays and it looked really bad in a hurry and they could finish with four wins. So I mean, this knows? move could go, as you said, it could go really well or really, really poorly. Um, and like the other part of it is too, is I mean, if he, how many games is he going to play? I mean, he's getting hurt, right? Like 100%. Um, I don't know how long, but it's going to happen. I mean, the, the chances of C-Mac getting hurt, high. Chances of Wentz getting hurt, high. There's just a couple guys in the league. You're like, okay, yeah, they're chalk them up for for four or five games a year getting hurt. Like that's just kind of what it is. So, um, yeah, I don't know that that division, man. I, again, I, I really could care less about that division. They're still the least division. Um, well, not actually, but I mean, one of the teams that we can talk about who I, I think it's great to talk about um, who did absolutely garbage last year was the Jags, and then the Jags just rolled the money card out. Back to work, yeah, up it's, to it's the just... free agency bank and just unloaded all their money. Yeah, they had a ton of money to spend, and they did it. I just, there was way better contracts out there. Spending this much on Christian Kirk. I like Christian Kirk. A lot of people who we talk to in our group chats and stuff aren't big fans of Christian Kirk. I actually think Christian Kirk could be a really good slot, number two guy, and he can really make a difference. But they are now paying him as the third highest wide receiver oh, in the league. He is nowhere near that. Maybe I think he could kind of step into a role more like Cooper Cup on a way lower tier. And maybe he can be kind of your gadget number one guy who can run outside, who can go inside, can do a bunch of these things. He has the skill set to do that. But to pay him that much is ridiculous. A couple of their other moves are just absolutely insane. I mean, Evan Ingram, again, you see the upside with his athleticism. But the guy can't catch. He's not a great route runner and you're paying him $10 million to be your tight end. I'm going to give the Jags a little more of a pass than a lot of people. I still think their moves are horrible. Their GM is horrible. But it does look like they had a plan, at least. Whether we agree with the plan or not, they it looks like they had a plan, and I'll respect any team that has a plan. Now it's just seeing how that plan works, because the plan looks horrible right now on paper. But if Doug Peterson comes in, who is a great offensive-minded coach, can get the most out of Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, get the most out of Trevor Lawrence, this plan might not look horrible. So, again... These contracts right now, I'm like, man, the Jags did absolutely horrendous. But if they had a really good plan and it's going to work out with what Peterson sees, I'll give them a little bit of a passing grade here. It's still like a D. I'm not giving them a fail yet. But that could upgrade to like a B if things work out and this plan actually goes to what it looks like the Jags think it could. I think the reality is is that they're, they, they're giving Trevor Lawrence every – chance to succeed in their mind i think that's what the plan here is is they're like okay we're gonna go out and we're gonna get a decent tight end we're gonna get you know another decent uh, wide receiver we're gonna add some protection we're gonna add some stuff on defense like we're gonna give 
this football team every chance to succeed. Um, Christian Kirk's stock went up uh, with uh, with Hopkins out most of last year. Um, you know the the Cardinals struggled down the stretch, but Christian Kirk was was one of the bright spots. But I, I just I think it's important to note that he was a huge deep threat. But you know if you look at his receptions on a on a on a game by game basis, like really, you know he didn't catch. I had him in fantasy. This is how I know is he didn't really have a ton of, in a half-point PPR, you need receptions. He never really had a lot of them, but he'd rattle off, you know, a 60-yard a catch a couple times a game, and he'd end up with, you know, 14, 15 points. Um, but I, we'll, we'll have to see, right? Because if, if, you know, if Trevor Lawrence did not show me anything that good last year, unfortunately, um, with all the hype that it was, and again, you give him a pass, right? Because it's year one. I'm good with that. And you're playing on one of the worst teams in the NFL. I get it. Like, you need time. Worst, worst coaching oh, yeah. staff, like he, he, there, there wasn't a lot of, you know, chance for him to succeed. Um, but now that you've, add, you've added a couple of different pieces, I'm sure they're not done. Um, and we'll have to see how it shakes out. I mean, I don't think they're going to be a two-win team. I don't think they're going to be a eight-win team either, right? I think there's probably six wins, six, five, seven tops, five, six average. Yeah, I think – Four to seven is kind of yeah. my range for them. I think they're going to be better. I think Doug Peterson is going to have a better offense than they did last year because Trevor Lawrence still has all the tools. He was talked about a generational talent for a reason. He has all the tools. Doug Peterson has been able to get the most out of some quarterbacks, so I think he has a good chance of doing it here. Two other teams that really had, it seemed like, big plans this offseason were the Ravens, who I think so far are the biggest winners of free agency, bringing in Zedarius Smith from Green Bay, Marcus Williams from the Saints. This defense is going to be nasty. It's already usually good, super aggressive, and now they've brought in two big-time players. Who knows what else they're going to do, but this defense is really good with the Ravens. I'm really impressed with what they've done. I know Jake, our Ravens fan, fan, is quite happy with what they've done and super excited for the season. I mean, they still need a wide receiver who can catch the ball and a quarterback who can throw the ball on a regular basis, Uh, but... Everything else about this team, I know Lamar will probably figure it out, and he showed signs of it. That's a really good offseason for the Ravens. Well, I mean, if you look at them defensively last year, right, like they, you know, offensively they struggled. They struggled in the in the red zone. Um, that that was just pretty obvious. Uh, defensively, the, the, the biggest problem, I mean, it, and let's not forget, they had injury problems, right? So you can't really take it all, you know, at, at full value. Um but traditionally, their defense has been excellent. And, um, I mean, if you look at even from a fantasy perspective, you know, I picked up the Ravens the early, um, you know, in one of my leagues because they were the year before they were nuts. Um, and now they're going to be even better. Like, it's just going to be absolutely scary. So if they can figure out offensively um, what they need to do, like, man, all these teams in the AFC, it's going to be absolutely insane. Like, how are only, you know, seven of these teams making the playoffs? Or six, is it seven, right? Yeah, seven. How are like how are seven teams making the playoffs? I and like I don't know. I I seriously don't know what the wild card. You know I, I think it's going to be ten wins, ten eleven wins. You might see it be eleven wins this year, which is insane for a wild card spot. But like it's just absolutely stacked. Like this reminds me about five six years ago when the NFC was just absolutely loaded and the AFC was a joke, and then now it's completely switched where the AFC is just an absolute juggernaut. Um, now, the NFC won the Super Bowl this year, so that's fine to Danny, whatever. But man, oh man, you know, it, it's 
sometimes I hate I hate that Miami's in the AFC, dude. If we, you know, if Miami was sitting in another division, uh, in, in the other conference, I mean, we would probably have made the playoffs the last three years. Like it's just insane. Yeah, and speaking of Miami, I think they've done nothing spectacular so far in free agency, but it seems like they had a really good plan. And I think it's Mike McDaniel's plan coming in here. They first signing was Chase Edmonds, who next gen stats and PFF are super high on. This guy is super explosive, super fast. Great catching it out of the backfield. All the things that Mike McDaniel really likes. They picked up Cedric Wilson, the right receiver from Dallas. Same thing. Next-gen stats. PFF, super high on him. He's super fast. He's a burner. He can get down the field. So he can turn into what we were hoping Will Fuller would be last year a bit. Then they pick up Connor Williams, guard, as well. Same thing. PFF, top 10 guard in the NFL. Looks super good. Can play left guard, right guard. They're even thinking he might be able to play tackle. Again, great move. They pick up Raheem Mozart. Again, Mike McDaniel guy, him and Mike McDaniel were close in San Fran. Super fast, super explosive, knows the zone run schemes, all these things. Then they pick up Alec Ingold, fullback from uh, the Raiders. Top five run blocking fullback. Again, Mike McDaniel scheme, Mike McDaniel guy. High on PFF, high on next gen. It really seems like Miami had a big plan here using a lot of analytics, which... I, from the looks of it, Brian Flores' staff wasn't into. And I think Mike McDaniels really brought this over. There's a plan here. I still think we need to make a splash. Teron Armstead's still sitting there. I would love to see him this year in a Miami Dolphins jersey. That would really fill out this thing. But it looks like they had a really good plan here. Without making huge splashes yet, they've made some really good moves. Well, and re-signing Agba, that's nice. Um, Gesicki got franchise tagged, so... Not that that's, you know, the, the best moves ever, but it is nice. Agba especially, um, just to keep the, the defensive continuity, I think, was important. Um, I mean, he was a monster last year for, for the Dolphins. And the one thing that I really, my biggest takeaway from everybody that they've signed, you know, talking about the speed, being able to catch in the backfield, it seems to me like they're picking up guys who 100% support the two again, right? And, and, and this acknowledgement that, you know, people rip on Tua for not being able to throw the ball 50 yards down the field. Uh, newsflash for you, there's two, there's more than one way to win a football game. And you don't have to be Josh Allen. You don't have to be Patrick Mahomes scrambling around throwing it 50 yards down the field. Like, you just don't have to. Um, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo has shown that you can be successful just dumping it off to like guys like Debo Samuel. So, and the other part of this is is that they brought in guys who, again, like Boster, like Edmonds, and, and, and I mean, there, there's injury concerns, no doubt. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't didn't mention that. Uh, but the the big thing is is that I think they're bringing in really nice complementary pieces uh, to Jalen Waddle as well. I think that's the that's the the, the one thing with the, with these signings that I really liked was okay, you know, you're adding speed at the running running back position. You're adding speed at wide rec- wide receiver. You're adding guys who are really quick and catch the ball out of the out of the backfield. So, you know, when you know, when Waddle's covered, you have those options. So defenses are going to have to stay honest, right? That's the biggest thing. And, and 100% it's a McDaniel scheme, like no doubt about it. And this is why last year, you know, we could have had more. I mean, yeah, you could say we, we won seven in a row, eight, whatever. But when we were on our lows, um, you know, against the Jags, right, we were trying to move the ball downfield and, and, and got away from really what the strengths of our quarterback was and the strengths of our, you know, Mike Gusecki's not the best, you know, down downfield catcher either. I mean, look how many balls he dropped downfield, right? We just don't have that. Devontae Parker is, 
but Devontae Parker also has problems with injury injuries, right? So just being able to sign people who complement this kind of West, you know, the West Coast style, ground and pound out of the backfield, um, check down play style, which works extremely well for Tua. I just think they're overall it's a great move. We'll see how it shakes out, and obviously there's still more pieces to add. Um, we haven't really done too too much to, for the O line at this point. Um, there's lots of time. We still got the draft to come up. Like we we got other we got more time to work on it. Um, but at this point, I, I really can't complain. There hasn't been one contract. I don't think that I've said. Uh, you know, maybe I don't like that. You know, I Gesicki, if he if he gets you know if he appeals his franchise tag um, and gets wide receiver money, is he not doing that anymore? No, he already signed it, so he is not appealing it or doing that. So he has already signed the tag, so it's official. That's what his capital. Okay, so then I'm fine with that because my only concern was if he did appeal it and got and you know did wide receiver. I know the Dolphins could rescind it. Um, I, I don't want to pay Mike Gesicki fifteen, sixteen million dollars a year. Um, or yeah. whatever it is, $18 million for a wide receiver. I, I don't want to pay him that. He's not that good. Um, I'm okay with him on, on this current deal, though. So overall, I'll, I'll say that, you know, none of these moves that I've seen are like, you know, what, what are we doing? Like, it doesn't hurt us in the future if it doesn't work out. I think that's that's important. Yeah, and the thing the things about two and stuff that everyone's on is they had historically the worst O-line. Historically, not just last year. It was all historically time. bad. With the all-time worst. They also had the 32nd ranked run game, partially due to the O-line. So it's hard to throw the ball downfield when nobody's respecting the run and your O-line can't stop a pass rush. So they will not have the 32nd ranked run game with Mike McDaniel and everything they're doing on that side. It won't happen. So what does that do? That helps open up downfield too. When Tua was actually protected and had time, he was in the top 12 for throwing it downfield in yards per attempt and stuff. He actually was there the issue is it's such a small sample size because he never had time. But there's a lot of good things here. Again, like we said, we don't really know what Tua is. But bringing in Mike McDaniel, bringing in this coaching staff, now what we're seeing them do in free agency, he's going to get a chance to succeed this year. And I think that's the best choice for this franchise. And again, next year, if you do need a quarterback, if Tua's not it, you have two first-round picks in a deep quarterback class. Not like this year. You see what guys are paying for these quarterbacks. It wasn't worth it with where Miami is. I think next year you look at the quarterback, they've set themselves up to do that. But they're giving him a chance to succeed, which was the smartest move overall. And Teddy Tugloves backing up to it. I, I, you know, I, I will say this. I chirp Teddy Tugloves a lot. So I believe this is karma for me, basically, just repping on Teddy Tugloves. And, and he's all, all good, only good on the road. Oh, man. I really hope that... Uh, I, I really hope that Tua doesn't get hurt because I, I don't, you know, I, I just, you know, I got text just laughing about the whole thing. I mean, I, I did make a joke that I think we should just play two at home because he likes warm weather and we'll play Teddy Bridgewater on the road. I think, you know, if we do that, we're going 17-0. and 0. Yeah, or no, is it, what letter is in their name do they need to be that two has never lost to? Um... What like yeah? What which one is it? Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, something oh. weird, but it, yeah, we just need him to play against that. Teddy two gloves covers on the road, so we're set that way. But no, again, I another really good complimentary move. It's a guy who's going to be a supportive backup, but also capable if Tua does struggle with injuries again. Again, I don't think Teddy's a phenomenal starter, but he can be a spot starter in a heartbeat. 
Anything else to touch on on the NFL, Bert? Um, I I think I'm pretty good. Uh, my only th- the only thing that I've looked at is is like, man, is there teams that are really quiet, eh? Like, Lions haven't done anything. Like, oh, a lot of these bottom dwelling teams, like they've done nothing. Colts haven't done anything yet. No. The Colts are the big surprising one. They had the most money by quite a bit. I mean, it still sounds like Miami might cut a few guys, so they'll end up with a bit more money. But I think they're kind of seeing what's available first. The Colts are the big one, and now they don't have a quarterback either, which is confusing. I don't know who they're going to end up with at quarterback. Just a messy situation overall by the Colts, and terrible. They always do this, though. They end up with a lot of money and do nothing with it. Well, here's what's going to happen. So Watson's going to go to the Saints. Taysom Hill's coming back to uh, the Texans. And then they're going to release uh, the neck, Davis Mills, and he's going to go play for the Colts. There you go. Here's my bold prediction of who's, who's that quarterback for the Colts. Um, but in all seriousness, I don't, I don't really know. Like, they, they, I mean, they must have a plan. Unless their plan is don't have a quarterback and let just Jonathan Taylor run the ball every play. Like, if that's their plan, I mean, good luck. But I, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't make much sense to me. The Colts haven't done much. I don't know what they're going to do, so I guess we'll find no, out. I think, I, I think I'm good at, at, for, for NFL. I mean, draft is coming up quick, you know, coming up real quick. And, I mean, August, frankly, can't come quick enough. So we'll, uh, we'll have to see what happens. And, and next week, I'm sure we'll talk about the Deshaun Watson thing, which, I, you know, his criminal case gets clear, and all of a sudden he's the best quarterback in the entire universe again. Which is, you know, it's just so funny. Like, there's, like, no chatter about it. It's always about Miami this, Miami that, and then all of a sudden, boom. Like, he's, it's like, it's just like he's just this regular free agent again, or a regular guy again. I don't know. I just found that whole thing funny. But, no, I'm good, I'm good for NFL, and I think we got some hockey to talk about, so. Yeah, I mean, big news out of Montreal yesterday was Sherratt finally being traded, and they waited and got a haul for him. Like, this was huge. Not only did they get a 2023 first-round pick, which is actually bigger than a 2022 first pick, it's unprotected from the Panthers. So if the Panthers suddenly suck next year, it's unprotected. It could be a first overall pick. Panthers are, again, a really good team, and this just adds to them really going for it. But they got a B-plus prospect in Samelik and a fourth-round pick for Sherratt. Like, that was a haul and a great move by Ken Hughes. They've now got two first-round picks, an A-prospect, a B-plus product, prospect and two later round picks for Toffoli and Sherratt like they've done really well so far with this new management group I'm super impressed Sherratt's going to make a difference in Florida in the playoffs I mean his underlying numbers this year aren't that good but nobody's in Montreal for the most part was until St. Louis came in but you watched him firsthand against the Leafs in the playoffs he's no fun to play against he's tough he plays huge minutes nobody wants to play against him in the playoffs so I think great move by Florida and Montreal to do that is huge and I just love Sherratt, the way he's already talking. He's like, so if Kent Hughes calls you in the summer, what are you saying? He's like, oh, I'm picking up the phone in a heartbeat. I love Montreal. I love this city. I'd be back here in two seconds. So we'll see what happens in the offseason. But they got a really good haul for him, waited for it. And uh, I've just loved what Montreal's done so far. And, again, the kids just keep looking good. Caulfield, two goals in eight seconds. The second one was pretty gross. So kids keep looking good with under St. Louis. They're picking up good picks for these prospects. And they're still managing to lose games. So it's everything's going well for Montreal right now. I'm pretty sure they're like five games away from elimination in the playoffs. Yeah, but it's still exciting hockey to watch right now. The kids look good and they're losing. So no, it's, it's, I mean, it must be, it must provide you some, I don't know, like sol- maybe solace is, is the word, maybe it's not. But 
you know, it's an enviable position where you still have, you know, the cupboards are still stacked and then you're really just, you know, taking some of the guys who are going to be free agents and just loading up on it, right? Like, you didn't trade, really get anything for Toffoli or like Shiraz. Like, oh, these are all guys you're just absolutely capitalizing on. Um, yeah, must be nice. Must be real nice. It's been fun. So, I mean, we, we got to discuss the Leafs. Do we? We have to. We, we do. Is Shulgren going to be in it? Vesna candidate now after one game. Shulgren. Shulgren. That's how you pronounce it. It's a K. You don't pronounce the K. No, you don't pronounce the K. It's Shulgren. That's so stupid. That's so stupid. Um, I mean, he's starting tonight against Carolina. So, I, you know, I, I don't know, man. I, and, and I'll come on and publicly say that, you know, if you listen back to our podcast at the start of January, kind of, you know, in the new year, we're talking about the same thing, right? And, and I defended our goaltending, and I just said, you know, like they, they like Jack Campbell to that point was good. Um, you know, the numbers were good. The skid was starting, and then as the season's gone on, like one of the questions was, you know, can he maintain that level of play with how long the season is? And it's really showing that at this point he can't. Um, now, in, you know, he's had an injury or two. Like, that's fine. Like, that's going to happen. But uh, overall, I mean, if you look at the underlying goaltending numbers, you can only blame – I've been really hard on the defense. Um, and I think that's fair. I think overall, um, you know, I test the last couple games. I really think – you know, even in the shutout game, I think their defense has been better. I think they're trying hard. Like, I think they're doing okay. Um, but the goaltending is just not good enough. Like, against Buffalo, like, I thought that they played decently. But you're, but Mrazek was letting in brutal goals. Like, and it's just, you know, we've all played on a team where you've had a goaltender who has an off game. And it's just demoralizing when, you know, one game's one thing. But when it's multiple games in a row, it starts to be a struggle. I don't really know what options the Leafs have, though. I think this is the worst part about the whole situation is is that, okay, you know, you want to go on a playoff run, but what do you need? Well, you need another defenseman. All right, well, there's no way you're getting a starting goalie and a, and a number one defenseman. Like, I just don't see that happening. And not only that, like, who who could you get that's better? I, I don't – I seriously don't know. Like, that's a genuine question. I don't know who's better. Um, and I'm just sitting here at this point and – I don't see any one or even two moves that I see the Leafs winning a playoff series. Honestly, I can't see them beating Tampa, Florida, or Carolina in a seven-game playoff series. I just can't. Their defense is shaky. Their goaltending is doesn't seem to be that confident. And these forwards have gotten gone soft in the playoffs before. Tampa and Florida are just juggernauts, and Carolina is right up there as well. And who knows what Carolina is going to do? I mean, as a Leafs fan, are you hoping Boston passes Toronto in the standings so you don't have to play one of the Florida teams? I mean, I I don't mind playing the Panthers personally. Um, we played them a couple times this year, and we've been okay, right? Like I, I'm I'm fine. With, I do not want to play Boston. No thanks. I have enough de- I have enough demons because of that, and I definitely don't want to play Tampa. And people are like, well, you you can't really pick, dude. I do not want to play Tampa when they're going to be forty million over the cap. Uh, going into the playoffs, like no, thank you. And in the back-to-back defending Stanley Cup champs, like, like fuck off, no chance. I don't want, I don't want any piece of that. So I, I don't know. I mean, at this point, I, you know, you look at the standings, and I, I couldn't believe, like, the discrepancy between playoff teams and non-playoff teams in the in in in, uh, in the Eastern Conference. Oh, the eight team, the eight teams are set. It's just seeding now. Oh, right. basically. I know there's still a chance like Columbus could really make a push. They're the only team who really yeah. can, but they're still. They're still quite a bit out. They're still 11 points out. 
after that, the Isles are so far Man, out now. So there's really eight teams, maybe nine. Like, you never know. Columbus could win five in a row, come in there and sneak in. But, yeah, it's all about seeding now. And I just, again, I just don't see how the Leafs, like, even the Fan 590 was talking about it yesterday. Can the Leafs win two games against any of the three teams they're going to play in the first round? Yeah, two, yeah. Can they win four? I honestly don't even uh, know. Two, two. Like, that's questionable. I just can't see them winning four. No I, I, well, I'll tell you what. Anytime anybody's bearish, it's a good time to be bullish. Um, you know, I just, I look at this and I say, anybody who makes the playoffs has a chance to win. I just, I firmly believe that. There's teams that have gone on runs that really didn't deserve to be there. Um, no offense to the Habs, but I just didn't think, like, there's no way that you at the start of the playoffs thought they were getting to the Stanley Cup final. And and they ended up, you know, getting on a run, and they played well. And, and did they deserve to get in the Stanley Cup final? Absolutely they did, right? There's teams that I can look at, like Winnipeg, um, in, in the North Division last year. I was like, man, and I said this, I, I thought whoever came out of Montreal, um, uh, Toronto was going to win in five, and the Habs swept them. Uh, and to me, it was such an obvious one, but they won a playoff round against Edmonton. Did Edmonton, Edmonton should have won that series. Winnipeg should have had a chance. What are the common the common denominators with teams who are lower seeds and successful in the playoffs is defense and goaltending. Yeah. Right? Always. You look at like LA who won it as an eight seed. It was their defense and goaltending that yeah. got it done. This is something that where Toronto's lacking the yeah. most. It's not the offensive firepower that gets it done in the playoffs. We've watched Edmonton. You watched... Uh, Washington for years before they finally got it done. And I know people would be like, oh, Toronto, Washington, they still try to make that comparison. No, it's not that comparison anymore. Toronto's goaltending is still way shakier than Holtby was. Uh, so it's defense and goaltending for these lower seeds that get it done, and those are still the two biggest issues with Toronto. They now have the Russian Bear playing on the first pair. He's actually looked really yeah. good, and he hits anything that moves. But is he a first pair defenseman? I, I will say that's a nice pickup. I mean, I didn't really know what to think about it at the time, but obviously he, he's actually played well. I'll give him give him some credit. Um, looking at these standings, I just want to go back to this really quick. Columbus is 65 points, uh, and they're in fifth, and they've got uh, – they're, they're, they're 11 back of Washington for the last – like 11 points back with 21 games left. You'd be like, well, that's doable – they got to go on a huge losing streak. The Leafs have 81 points with 22 games remaining. They're 16 points up at, at like out of a wild card spot. Like it's nuts, like the discrepancy here. So yeah, as you said, the teams are set pretty much. Um, I don't know how bad. Like I don't know why everybody is so bad. Like Detroit is has 55 points and they're only 21 points out of a playoff spot with 22 games left. Like it's nuts, man. I, you know, I, I, my expectations, you know, kind of going to the playoffs, trade deadlines on Monday. Um, I, I really do think they're handcuffed at this point. The only way that I can see them having a great amount of success is if the entire forward, you know, all the forwards buy into playing defensive hockey. That's the only way, you know, these five, these five, six goal games, it, it isn't going to work. You just don't have the stamina for it. Um, especially when things get physical, right? Um, so if you all buy in to play defensively like they did at the start of the year when they were winning 3-1, 2-0, like those kind of games, like, yeah, you got a chance. But if you're going to play this run and gun, number one, run and gun hockey doesn't work in playoffs. We know this. This is time, like, tried, tested, and true. Um, you can get by with, with goaltending that's not that's average, 
with defense that's average, but your forwards have to play with more like more like defensemen. I'm not convinced they have the ability to do that. It just seems to me like I'm setting myself up for heartbreak again. That's what it seems like, and not to be like super negative. It's just one of the, and maybe they'll surprise me and be able to go on a run. And I really hope that's the case. I do believe they have enough talent um, on forward to, to go far. And if they all buy in together, I, I I do believe that they have a really good chance of doing well. Um, but it's just one of those things where, it, you know, you're getting to a point where you're really starting to see the holes, and there's just not a lot of ways to patch them. That that's that's the most concerning thing to me. Like the Habs, for example. You know, you guys have had a bad year, which is fine, right? But is it a bad year when you still have your prospects, you still have, you know, all these draft picks and you still have all this stuff? And is there, are they a couple of years away? For sure they are. Um, but it's, you know, it, it's better than looking at a team who, you know, the only way that we can get to the, really start patching the holes is, is to blow it up. And nobody wants to hear that because, you know, we haven't won a playoff round in 21 years or however long it is. It's just infuriating, right? So... We're kind of caught in this whirlpool or, or this endless cycle of, of we get we get close to being good, we think we're good, we're not good enough, we got to reset, and nobody in Leafs Nation wants to deal with that anymore. I definitely don't, but pain is coming. There will be pain. Mike Babcock said it best. Yeah, it could be a crazy offseason. I just think if we don't hear a move by next week by Toronto, there is zero chance they're getting out of the first round. They got to do something here. I'm not sure what it is. If it's Flurry, if it's Giordano, but there needs to be a move made next week to even get through the first round of my. Well, Dubas has to do something because if he doesn't, he's fired. Yeah, there's. I I could if they don't do something here and they don't make it through the first round. This is an entire blow up. Like Keith Dubas, everybody's gone. The Shanahan's probably still there though. We'll see what happens in the off season. I mean, they still got. Regular season games left. They still got the playoffs, so we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. But uh, that's what Leafs Nation does, right? Well, I mean, we're we're always. I mean, as soon as Shalgren, Shalgren, Shalgren got his uh, got his uh, you know shut out, I was already planning the parade again. So, isn't that what we're supposed to do? You, you, you know, rookie goaltender first start, Garrett Spark style, playing the parade. Yeah, playing the parade, playing the Calder and Vesna. But, Bunting Bunting actually might win the Calder, to be honest. Which is still stupid. It's same same argument basically with Kaprasov from last year. These guys are too old to win the Calder, in my opinion. He's literally in the Calder debate by two days. If his birthday was two days earlier, with the rule changes on them, he would not be available. So again, I still think it's awkward. He's having a great year. He looks like a great pickup, but I still don't think he should be. In the I mean, he's, he's that's probably Dubas' best move like ever. Like, it, which is shocking. Like, how in the hell is that? Is that a thing? But anyway. Uh, last thing I want to talk about the Leafs, Matthew suspended for two games for cross-checking the guy. Um, I Leafs Twitter like went bananas on player safety for it, and like I I get it because there's been other cross-checks to people's heads when they're on the ice, and, like other shit that didn't get suspended. That doesn't mean that Matthew shouldn't have got suspended. It means that he should have, but so everybody, other people should have too. Like th- th- it's it's different, right? Like you you, you shouldn't be. Like, just because it didn't get called doesn't, like, if, if you go and kill somebody and you get arrested and somebody else killed somebody and they didn't get arrested, you can't say, well, I shouldn't have got arrested for murdering somebody. Yeah, you should have. You got caught. Like, that's, that's how it is. Um, so, two games that that was fair. I think, I, I really don't think he meant to cross-check him in the head. I, I think he went he went for the shoulder and missed. Um, that's what it felt like yeah. to me. But the reality, and, and I saw somebody say, you know, it was a mouth. He's like, well, I, I didn't have bad intent. 
guy, you cross-checked the guy extremely hard, whether it was in the shoulder or it was in the face. You weren't doing it to be friendly. That's all right. You, you don't friendly no, cross-check I, somebody up high. No, and that was the thing, is everyone was comparing it to Edmondson's cross-check on Matthews. I can't believe it was Matthews in the playoffs last year where it glanced off the shoulder clearly. Like, it clearly hit the shoulder first and then got the guy in the face. They're like, oh, it's the same thing. And I'm like, no, it's not. Because if they got ri- if they got the first cross-check on Matthews where it hit the shoulder and kind of up into the head, it's very different. Yeah, the same intentions there, but intention and what happens are different. But again, we can still argue that a department of player safety sucks. Hey, they're brutal. There's very inconsistencies with them, for sure. But that doesn't mean that Matthews shouldn't have got a couple games here. He still cross-checked a guy square in the face, which could have been a lot worse than it was. If Dalene goes down with an injury or something there, we could be looking at five or six games and an in-pierce person here. It's a super dangerous play. Not saying the ones that glance off the shoulder aren't, but this one was right to the face. So there is a difference there. Sure, the intention's the same, but just because intention's the same doesn't mean that the results are the same. So in my opinion, they... It was the right play. It was the right two yeah. games seemed correct. I don't think he could have got away with nothing, like a fine or something. But it doesn't mean that the Department of Player Safety doesn't No, they do. So both things can be yeah. true here. And that's the thing that Leafs Twitter couldn't seem to get through their mind for the most part. I know there is people who can, but for the most part, Leafs Twitter couldn't get it through their mind that both things can yeah, be it's, true. Yeah, I know. It's infuriating being part of this fan base sometimes, man. It's, it's brutal, right? Because you all get lump us all in together, and then you just, I don't know, you look at us and... And, and and to be fair, like, I was complaining, or, and I get why he's frustrated. I mean, like, you know, the officiating this year overall has been poor. You know, the game against Arizona, he gets his stick held in overtime, which ends up in a goal. I would like to say that he could have put more effort in after that, after he got his stick held, but it's an obvious hold. And I just, and I understand officials are trying to stay out of the way and other guys play, but, uh, you know, at a certain point, you got to call the rules, man. You, you got, like, when, when, you ha- when those things are turning into goal opportunities, you know, and, and I'm not saying only call penalties that end up in scoring chances. That's not what I'm saying. But it's when you have something that that's that obvious. I know you're not want to call a billion penalties, like all the cross checks, all, all that kind, all the slashes, that kind of stuff. But there's just times when, hey, you got to call a penalty. Like this is your job. I saw a piece saying, you know, like well, there's been officials retiring. COVID's been an issue. This, that, and the other thing. Guys are tired. I'm like, that's great. I understand that. Um, I mean, you're a professional. You still got to do your job. Uh, that's that's it at the end of the day and I get it and it's tough being official I get that right you're never gonna make anybody happy totally understand that really obvious stuff though that affects gameplay yeah I mean you gotta call it there's no other excuse to it yeah there's been multiple games in the last week where I've noticed where officials are so worried about making a call that will impact a game that by not making it impacts the game just as much and it is a hard line to do and it's a lot harder on the ice than it is watching the video five times in slow motion. But the officials do need to be better overall. They're impacting the game by trying to not impact the game right now. So it's an issue that needs to be fixed. Hopefully, again, it's a regular season for them too. Everybody makes mistakes. Hopefully we can kind of figure this out where it's not costing people's games. I'm an official. I'm going to side with them a little more, but it does need to be better. And I think everyone realizes that. Lots of reasons why it's happening, and I get it, but it does need to be better at the end of the day. Well, and, and, you, and you said it best, right? You're not you're affecting the game by not by trying not to affect the game, and, and there's a balance. 100, percent there's a balance, but you can't. But once it's tilted too far one way, it affects it. Right? You got to, and it's tricky. It, it's, for sure, it's tricky. I totally get it. Um, you know, I'm not going to be that salty. The only reason I was salty about that was because, um, like, it was Arizona. We shouldn't lose to Arizona. 
Like if, if that was, you know, St. Louis or if that was Calgary, like I, I would not care really that much at all. But, you know, bottom bottom feeder team, like, yeah, it bothers me because that's an easy two points. Now, by the way, they probably should have won that game before that point. Like nobody wants to mention that, you know, that we were in overtime with the Arizona Coyotes. Like let's just put that in perspective. That like, we shouldn't have even been there. So, like we we had a three nothing lead in that game, and we and we blew it. So like that needs to be t- talked about as well. But anyway, I digress. I don't know. I don't really know how to feel right now. I'm just kind of I'm settling into my numb space before the playoffs starts, just to protect myself from heartbreak. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, Leafs fans are already going numb with 20 games plus left in the regular season. It's kind of crazy. we have to protect ourselves, dude. I don't want my heart shattered into a million pieces. I mean, it's going to be again when we lose again. And you know we're going to, like, people are going to, like, shit on us and say, oh, yeah, you guys are done. And then we're going to go up, like, 3-1 on Florida or something. Or, you know, 3-2 on Tampa. We're going to have a chance to win at home. We're not going to win. We're going to go to game seven. And we're going to lose. And I'm telling you, it's like the, the, the script is on the wall. I'd rather get swept four games in a row than lose in game seven again. I swear to God, if we lose in game seven again, I'll, I don't know. I don't know how much more I can take. Um, one, uh, a little bit more about Toronto sports. Scotty Barnes is still a stud. We talked about him a couple weeks ago. Still a stud. Still uh, smashing basketballs uh, with unreal dunks. This guy, rookie of the year candidate, I don't think he's going to win. But, man, oh, man, he's so fun to watch for the Toronto Raptors right now. And I just love his demeanor. Um, I, I wanted to bring this up. So they're playing the Lakers, and they're just stomping the Lakers. LeBron gets a ball that's about to go out of bounds, and he just absolutely just tomahawk dunk chucks it at Scotty. <laughs> and Scotty's getting interviewed, and he's like, he's like, yeah, he's like, I, I'm lying on the ground. I looked up, I see LeBron with the ball like throwing it at me. And he's like, oh, he's like, oh, I gotta cover up. And he's like, so I covered the important stuff, and then he let it go, and I was like, holy shit, this guy just absolutely hummed it. He's like, thank goodness it didn't hit my face. My nose would have been pushed back in my brain. Oh, man, love it. Oh, it's awesome. Just the way he frustrated LeBron. Scotty Barnes is, I mean, if he wasn't a Raptor, we'd probably be disliking some of these things. But, man, I just fall in love with Scotty Barnes. Just everything he's doing off the court. As well, just his interviews, the way he talks about the game, the way he gets at guys. But then his gameplay is just unbelievable this year, too. What went from a, what are we doing drafting? It's just like, yes, this is why we drafted this guy. He looks unbelievable. He's added to this kind of young core we have now. And he's going to be exciting to watch. And hopefully he can be our next lifetime Raptor. And uh, super exciting to have him on the also team. Also, just nice to see the Lakers lose. Yeah, the Lakers suck. Like, that makes me so happy. It's not that good. LeBron's ruining another franchise. What a shock. Well, I, I, I mean, I'm not surprised at all. You look at the Western standings. I mean, they're in the playoff. The, they're in the play-in games, which I, I still don't like the play-in games, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I understood them during COVID, but I don't really get why we wanted to keep that up. I'm still all confused by the entire No, game. I think it's super dumb. But, like, L.A. is 29-40. and 40. They have a 420 win percentage right now, and they're going to be in the play-on, play, play-in games. Like, that's so dumb. In comparison, Phoenix is already locked up first place, and they have an 800 win record. They're 56 and 14. Like no other. Like even if you look at the the the, the chart or the um, the Clippers, like they're 500 and they're they're in the eighth seat. Okay, that makes sense. And they're gonna have to do a play-in game with versus the Lakers, who are a 420 win. That's garbage. 
Like, that's just so stupid. Because what happens if you have a bad game, Lakers win, and they're going to make it into a full seat, like full round playoffs versus Phoenix? They're going to get their shit stomped in. Yeah, it's just a weird setup. Like, again, made a ton of sense during the shortened seasons and COVID with everything that went on, even stuff that went on in hockey and baseball. And that all made a ton of sense during COVID, shortened years, weird years. We're back to normal now when it comes to playing games. Why are we doing this? I guess it's more money. It's one extra game. So that's maybe the way they see it. It's a little more excitement. But, yeah, you get a year like this year, and you're like, why are we doing this still? It doesn't make sense. We're going to get teams that are just going to get obliterated in the first round who are going to get in now if they weren't already. Like, the NBA, one versus eight, is basically always a sweep. Like, it's not even like the NHL where – Games can go either way. No, the NBA is just so top-heavy always, so it just seems so silly to add an extra two teams in the mix. And by the way, the Raps are not not quite out of the division. They're only they're only uh, three and a half games back of Philly with 13 to go. I don't know if you look at the standings. They're 39 and 30, so they're a 5-6-5 win percentage. I don't know if you want to play the Raps in the playoffs, by the way. And the Raps also are... No, I don't think anybody... I don't think anybody wants to play the Raps. I mean, the East is still a little weirder than the West. I don't, like, I don't trust Philly. Do we trust Milwaukee? Probably, because they're the reigning champs. And Miami looks like an unbelievable team. But other than that, like, Miami and Milwaukee are about it. The rest of it's wide open, in my opinion. I know Philly's looking a little better since the trade, but still. I don't know. I mean, the Cle- Cleveland and, and and Toronto have identical records. I wouldn't be shocked to see um, the Raps slide into the six the sixth place. I mean, if they can win the division, that'd be mint. Uh, I think that's a, that's a stretch um, for sure. They're gonna win a lot of games um, and, and some crucial ones. I mean, right now you'd have them um, playing like if they get six, they're gonna be playing Philly in the first round, which I actually like that matchup for the Raps surprisingly enough. Um, but I don't know. You know, NBA playoffs are definitely. I, I love NBA playoffs. Like it's just so unpredictable. Like you talk about NHL, where you need this, that, and the other thing. NBA, get guys healthy, get on a run. That's all you need. Guys get hot, you you can win games. You can beat anybody. Um, speaking about getting hot and uh, and can beat anybody, it is March Madness, Cam. How did your bracket? Uh, how'd your bracket go? Well, it uh, it went. I spend probably way more time than I needed to considering it's a crapshoot every year. But uh, you know what? I'm going to be positive here. Before the games start in about 45 minutes when we're talking, you would have already known some of the games. I feel really good about my bracket. I did a lot of work, talked to a few people, got some good research in. I feel pretty good. uh, But I will say by the time this podcast comes out, I will feel pretty bad about it probably. probably. So uh, (laughs) that's about how my March Madness bracket went. How about yours? I went completely random. I mean, I took a couple of the, 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 you know, I just mixed it up because, I mean, I look at my bracket last year. I spent a lot of time on it. I looked at this, that, and the other thing, and I just got dusted. I got asked. My biggest mistake is I still took Gonzaga to win it, even though they'll let me down every year. But I was at the point now where if I don't take Gonzaga and they win it, I will regret it way more than taking them and them blowing it. Yeah. Again. So I, I'm just stuck. I'm taking Gonzaga every year now, as long as they're one of the top. It's like, it's like my, it's it's just my Buffalo happen. bet from last year. You just got to bet them, bet them until they win, right? I mean, eventually they got to win. Eventually you'll be right. Yeah. But yeah, my random, yeah. my random picks. 
Just, you know, a couple one seeds, couple 16 upsets, you know, a couple upsets here and there. You know, because you look at, like, anybody who wins bracket pools, it's people who pick, like my wife, who picks mascots, which, by the way, my wife has the Yukon Huskies going all the way and winning the, the national championship. So if that happens, well, I just quit. Um, and, and she liked it because she likes the Husky mascot. So I was like, okay, I see how we're doing it. But um, she actually picked the higher seeds on the right side of the bracket all the way. And on the left side, she did mascots. And I'm like, oh, you, you, you did two different strategies in one bracket. I don't know how this is going to play out, but um, I don't know. And then she has the mascot side winning it at yeah. the end. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Exactly. All right. That's a, that's a bold, uh, bold strategy. I, I mean, hey, if, 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 uh, if, if, uh, if UConn wins at all, I seriously don't know what I'm going to do. No, I, like, I, yeah, I want to talk about March Madness basketball, and the analysis is going to be about mascots. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, you got your wife talking. You got your wife talking some sort of sports gambling in some That's sort. True. So there, there's a big positive. That's true. She doesn't. She take, take the positives. With she the wasn't into the there. first half unders though. No, we're all over those. But by the time this podcast comes out, most of them will be over. So. That'll be disappointing for you because you only do it in the first round. Yeah, You don't do it after no. that. We're just following our SGP friends there. They're all over it. Again, it hit, I think, at like 62% last year. All time since they started keeping track, it's at like 59%. So there's money to be made there. Parlay a few together. Try and hit a couple parlays. It's going to be a ton of fun. I am also the person who, at every St. Patty's Day party, I'm the guy at the bar who is watching the TV because I care about these two teams who I actually have no idea what they've done all year, but I care about my bracket and this tournament so much with how much fun it is, the upsets, everything. I'm the guy at the bar at St. Patty's Day who's just like, yeah, I'm actually watching the TV. Uh, screw everything else going on. Yeah, it's, it's it, the green beer is fine, but watching the, the basketball is what matters the most. Um, if all the first half unders hit today, we are going to be very wealthy. If every first half under hits today, I will... I don't even know. I'll be two hundred thousand dollars richer. Yep. So, uh, whatever I want to do with two hundred thousand dollars, I guess. Chances of that happening not high. No. But we are degenerates on this podcast, so we we got to take. I mean, you have to do it if you're betting all first half unders anyway. Like you kind of have to, like you kind of have to parlay them all because what happens if they all hit and we didn't bet? It? Like we feel like idiots. Exactly, and as I keep saying, I spent five dollars on way worse. Oh, I mean that's a hundred percent, right? Pretty sure, like, if you get a Starbucks coffee, it's like seven dollars, eight dollars. So, yeah, there's no chance of me winning two hundred grand with a Starbucks oh, coffee. Not at all. Um, all right, anything else on the on the list you want to get to? There's not too much else. F1 season starts this week in Bahrain, so that's exciting. I know uh, we're now massive F1 fans, so it'll be a good year. Mercedes already talking about how they're gonna suck this year. So uh, they'll be competing with Red Bull for first overall because they say they're going to suck every year. Uh, another good season of F1, Drive to Survive on Netflix. If you want to binge that for the next week before it opens, I highly suggest it. It will get you ready for the season. Uh, and it, it's exciting. I think I'll probably be watching almost every week in some sort of capacity this year. Started to get into it near the end of last year, which was an unbelievable finish to the year. So super worth it, and I'm excited. I got a couple future bets uh, Verstappen to win it, Mercedes to win the um, overall championship, and Verstappen to win the drivers' championship. So 
it, it should be a ton of fun watching it and being more involved this year. Yeah, two things. Um, Lewis Hamilton is adding his mom's last name, so are they going to say that on the broadcast? I'm sure they will. Yeah, that's way too It's long. like Hamilton La, La, La Best uh, something. Anyway, it's really long. Uh, good for him. I mean, they can do whatever he wants. Um, number two is this is going to be his last year. Like, win or lose. I, I look at it like if he loses again, he's like, okay, I've lost two in a row. We're done. If he wins, he goes out on top. So it just kind of feels to me like this is kind of the victory lap. Yeah, it's so hard to tell with Lewis because everything he says, you got to kind of take with a grain of salt. The guy is a phenomenal person, especially off the track. He's just a phenomenal person, everything he does. On the track, he's a little bit of a uh, bitch, and he says a lot of things that we know aren't true. Like, even talking about his car the last two years. Oh, yeah, our car's so bad. And then they end up competing for the Drivers' Championship and the Constructors' Championship. So you're like, really, Lewis, why are you saying this? Everything that goes on in the year, you're just kind of, you got to ignore what he says. Would it shock me if he retired? Probably not. He's done everything he needs to in the sport. If he can win another driver's championship, especially, I think probably that's going to be it. But you never know with guys like him. He's just such a competitor. He wins it all again. He's like, why can't I do this next year? Why can't I just keep adding to my legacy? So it'll be exciting. It'll be an interesting season for Mercedes, adding George Russell, adding a big young gun to him. Maybe George Russell starts pushing Lewis so much this year. He's got the upside racing. He doesn't have the consistency that Lewis has. But he has the upside in being the quickest guy on the track. So maybe he pushes Lewis enough to make Mercedes even think about it. Like maybe it's better if we find somebody to support Russell. I don't know if that's going to happen this year, but there's some chances here. So it wouldn't shock me if he did. Yeah. I, I, I think that's a great point. I mean, eventually you have to transition to a different driver, right? Cause you don't want to, you know, completely support Lewis the whole time. And then he retires and you're like, Oh shit. Like, you know, Russell has no experience being team number one now, uh, or, you know, a driver, instead of B driver, yeah. and now you got to supplement that, that B driver spot. Um, you don't want to set back. We saw, yeah, we saw it with Red Bull a few years ago when Verstappen was coming up and Daniel Ricciardo was there. So we're just maybe seeing the turning of the guard with Mercedes at some point. Lewis isn't going to be around forever, so they brought in the young guns, so we'll see what happens. This I like year. Ricciardo. Like, I know that he's kind of like, he's a little bit dramatic and he moves he he moves around teams like crazy. He's moving with McLaren this year, but... Um, I don't know. Watching drivers survive, like just his personality, I'm like, oh man, like I feel like I could be good friends with Daniel Ricciardo. I definitely do not think I can be good friends with Max Verstappen. Um, I like, I don't know him personally, but just from what I see uh, in drivers survive, like I mean, he's an incredible driver, and I do find myself rooting for him. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't really know if we could be very good friends. <laughs> no, no. If if I'm going around, I'm like Lewis and. Uh... Max, probably not having a beer with them. Daniel Ricardo, I want to have oh, a beer yeah. with Oh, yeah, he's now. a fun Aussie, dude. That'd be, that'd be a wild time. Head down to Bondi with Daniel Ricardo. Oh, man, that'd be lit. Um, all right, other than that, uh, I think we're good to go. Again, apologies to everybody for us being off for, uh, for a couple weeks, but we're back. Regular uh, programming coming up. Um, playoffs and stuff coming up. Um, we're going to get back to getting some, some guests on the show again. Um, so we're excited for that. We'll probably touch base. Uh, we've been trying to touch base with SGP for a couple of weeks, but, um, again, scheduling stuff, it just hasn't, hasn't worked out. So hopefully that's going to, uh, you know, come about in the next, uh, next few weeks. Uh, we'll get, uh, we'll get our boy Jake Cowell back on. We'll talk about the, the, the draft upcoming. Um, the mocks are, are starting to really come out in full force, um, ahead of the NFL draft. And then obviously, uh, we are, we are mere weeks away uh, from the Masters, 
in April, which is going to be unreal. Uh, shout out to the Golf Gambling Podcast, by the way, 33-1, to 1, Cameron Smith of the players. Um, you need a golf bets, go to, you know, follow Boston Capital on Twitter um, and, and the Golf Gambling Podcast because they, uh, they've been hitting. They, the last couple of tournaments, they've hit a couple outright. So um, 33-1, to 1, can't complain. Uh, also, Cameron Smith is the ugliest fucker on the PGA Tour. Uh, I love it. I, it's so awesome. So and it, the rain and everything made his mullet mustache look way worse. But I love it. It, it. It's just awesome to see. Like, golf, you look at this, like, pretentious, like, everybody's clean cut, clean everything. Then we got Cameron Smith with this greasy mullet, especially in the rain, and this uh, mustache that looks very similar to yours. Whoa. Whoa. Come on now. It's, it's, it's just awesome to see. I love it. Again, like, I, I like a lot of the classic things with golf. Like, I still think we should be wearing college shirts for the most part. I think when you go into the club, you need to look presentable. And I like a lot of those things. But seeing a guy like Cameron Smith is just hilarious. He's still doing all those things. He still follows all the rules. But this greasy mullet, this bad mustache, it, it's so awesome to see. So uh, I love it. And just, I love, again, I just love watching these, like, old-time golf writers just get upset at it like this guy's got to look more presentable i'm like nah i love it this guy's awesome guy's stepping out of one of the biggest tournaments the match play just to spend more time with his family because he hadn't seen them in two years like what an awesome event i mean he just made three and a half million dollars so uh probably doesn't need to compete in the match play but yeah so uh but again it was an awesome weekend it was super long and funny but uh no i love the look of cameron smith it's super fun by the way last thing Sports related. Victor Hovland, I'm going to keep betting him the win because he's been all over it, man. He's been close a couple tournaments in a row now. His ball striking is unbelievable. So I think that when we're going to do our Masters our masters pod, which I'm excited for, sneak peek, Victor Hovland is going to be on my list for outrights for that event. No doubt about it. Uh, by the way, what's happened to your boy, Will Zell Torres? He can't putt. <laughs> <laughs> he's just a horrendous putter. But uh, we'll, we'll see. He likes Augusta from uh, last year. So we'll see what he can uh, do before that. we got a few weeks here, a couple big tournaments. So see if Zalatoris can pull it together. And uh, you, know, you never know. So anyway, uh, well, it was good uh, Good to get back to it. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, at Over6Sports, at over 6 and at C Charlton Turf. Golf season around the corner. Playoffs around the corner. We cannot wait. The beautiful weather today just makes you yearn. For the warm months to come, as always, I am Zach the Band of Berg, and with me, the Turf King. Thanks for listening to Over Six Sports, and we'll chat with you next week.